for being with us this morning. For those who are uh, new here today or for those watching online, maybe uh, my name is Mark uh, and glad to have you along with us. Like we often say, you know, if it's your first time, we hope it's not your last time. We hope that this is an opportunity for us to walk along with you in this journey of life and the journey of faith and uh, journey with Jesus. So uh, I just want to start off this morning by um, just thanking some people. Uh, after last week, like immediately after the service, my phone started buzzing. My leg was vibrating from the phone, just one text after another, after another. And I just want to say thank you to you, uh, to, to all of those who just shared, you know, your support, um, especially the ones who shared how it affected your life last week. You know, to have that mom, you know who you are, who just said, hey, I was watching with my son and I just saw the fear leave his eyes. He'd been terrified of this thing, but I just watched as the facts and truth came that the fear left his eyes. I'm grateful for that. For those who said it gave us clarity on what's really going on and, and helped us to see a, a different picture we hadn't seen, grateful for that. For those who, uh, who simply said, man, you helped us to find a way to talk with others that doesn't necessarily have to lead to arguments, I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for the people from the medical community who emailed me. Thank you for that. I, I learned stuff as a result, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, to some of the first responders who emailed me, th- thank you for that, because again, I got to learn some things. And of all of those people, uh, including our Kingsway Church family. Love you guys. Thanks for loving me back. Uh, I want to say thanks, most of all, to the people who disagreed with me. And I mean that. The ones of you the, that you were like, no, we are totally disagree with what you're saying, but and, that you didn't write me off, that you, that you, that you had the, 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 um, took the opportunity to contact me. And I, you know what? Those phone conversations we had, they're valuable to me, and I'm better because of it. I'm grateful to, to be able to see things from uh, other perspectives as well. And we're, we're, we're better together. The enemy wants us divided as much as possible. And so whether we agree on things or not, we are better together. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for that. You know, the point really of last week was helping people to find the truth for themselves to just find facts uh, that, you know, the news is not a good place to get all of your facts. They're giving you some, but they don't give you all of the facts, and they paint it with a brush, and the brush is usually bad news. Uh, they're, they're not telling the full story, and what I found for some people, the news is almost like it's, it's addictive. You know, it's like, they're like, ah, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to read the news. I don't want to know what it says. I'm, I'm not going to do it today, but I'm just going to check. Oh, man, I didn't want to know. You know, it's like it's not getting any better. It's just, it's just terrible. And, and uh, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to show you one more thing. Today is not part two of last week, so you can just breathe easier. I am. Uh, but I wanted to show you one thing that uh, uh, just in the news from yesterday, something that I, I noticed and would like to draw your attention to. Here's the page we keep telling you to go to. Go to, the, go to the government website's page. It gives you the numbers without anything else, just the numbers. Yesterday, you may have noticed that there was 1,873 cases. And, I, and I, what I did is I Googled all the, news, all the newspapers and everything to see what all the headlines were yesterday. All of the headlines across the board mention this number of 1873. All of them, uh, many of them mention the death number of 17. And that number matters because I actually know one of the people who's a part of that statistic. And that's heartbreaking when you actually know that COVID is real. It's not something we just toss to the side. But you know what? Uh, None of the headlines of Global, CBC, uh, CTV, uh, 680 News, the National Post, iHeartRadio, I thought they had a heart, but no. You know, there's a bunch of these, all of them across, none of them, and none of the, the, the local newspapers, none of them had this number right here in their headline. And I don't know if you can see from back there, but this number is 1873. This number here is 1918. What does that tell us? 
that tells us that yesterday we actually had less active cases of COVID in our province than we, have, than we had the day before, that, that something's going the other way. That should be a cause for celebration. That would be like good news. Hey, we're actually, we're getting around it. But you know, that's not what the headlines say. You read the headlines, they projected those other two numbers, and they said, and the projections are we're going to have thousands more cases by Christmas. I'm telling you, they lie to you. They simply lie by not telling you the full truth. And, and I, I, my heart and responsibility was to say, don't just take all of your information from the news. They just sell bad news. And what our world needs is not more bad news. You know, a, a constant diet of bad news, why do I care? A constant diet of bad news erodes at something we need desperately, and it's this word called hope. The constant diet of bad news, it, it erodes at the, at the very hope that we have in our hearts. Solomon, the wisest man of, of his day and his time, he wrote these things called Proverbs. We can read them now 3,000 years later, which is incredible. But here's what he saw 3,000 years ago. Uh, in life in his time, Proverbs 13, 12, he said, Hope deferred, or when, when the hope is, is lost, he says, it makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you don't even have to be a wise person today to notice that very same thing happening today. You just look around. You don't have to be the wisest man in the world. You can see, how, how many of you have seen some heart sick people where, the, like, hope is just like, they just don't, it's just like, is this ever going to end? Like the hope is, is eroding. Can I, I, without sharing details, I got emails from everywhere, like people from BC, people from the East Coast, uh, everywhere in between, some from, from people in Haiti. Just this, the, last week's message resonated with people, and I, I love the responses, but some of them just break my heart. One person just sent uh, an email, and I, I'm not going to give the, the details, but they just simply said that their husband... Uh, they don't think he's going to make it till Christmas 2021. He has a condition that's probably, poss- most likely his life is going to end early on in, in, in the, in the uh, next year, that he's not going to get Christmas 2021. And she wrote and said, you know what? We just found out that our province is locked down. We're not going to be able to even see our own kids this Christmas. The only hope, the only thing that he wanted to see, he's like already been nine months without being able to see any others, without the support can't see his own family, and and she just wrote these words that he says, there seems to be no end in sight, at least not one that I'll live to see. And hope, just being sucked out of a person's, a real person's life as a result. You know, I spoke with somebody yesterday, and uh, as we were chatting, he just told me that one of his relatives, their, their son took his own life this week. You know, when I talk about hope being eroded. Here's somebody who ran out of hope. And, and it matters because we know this, this person, you know, but there's so many others that are just, they're, they're not numbers and they're not statistics. They're real lives really, really eroded by this. And that's where I, I, I say that today we truly have good news. In a world where there's bad news, man, as a church, I hope we realize and not just realize, but are inspired today with the good news that we have. And it's this word called hope. You know, that, that word comes up around Christmas all the time. It's part of the Advent celebrations. And, but I, I've heard it a lot this year. Maybe you have as well. You know, have you heard statements? I hope that we're not, you know, I hope that we're going to get back to normal soon. Anybody heard that? <laughs> I, I, I hope that we're not going to get locked down again. 
I hope that I'm not going to lose my job, lose my house, lose my whatever. I hope that my friends aren't going to get COVID. I hope that my friends are going to survive COVID. I hope that the vaccine comes quickly. I hope that, I hope that, I hope that. And we, we hear it often. But I just want to say that all of those hopes, when people say that that type of hope that I hope that, all of those I hope that's have the, uh, have the potential to disappoint. Man, so many of us have had hopes that, you know, we hoped that. And, and it's like, it just, it, it, it lets you down. It lets you down. There's a disappointment to, to that kind of hope. Um, but the message that we're talking about today is not that kind of hope. It's not like all the Leaf fans are like, I hope they win the cup. That kind of hope disappoints all the time. You know, and there's a hope that we have that, you know, I'm hoping to get something for Christmas. Well, at the end of, by Christmas, we know whether we actually, that hope happened or it didn't happen. It has a timeline on it. But the hope that we're talking about is this hope that doesn't disappoint. And how do we know that? Because there's nothing like the type of hope, any other hope that uh, we have. It's not a something, it's a someone. And here's what Paul said. He wrote to the new believers, and he said, I got good news for you guys. Like, I have real good news for you. Romans 5, verse 3, he says, we can rejoice. Man, that's good news. Like, man, we can rejoice. And everybody's probably like, yes, agreed, we can rejoice. And Paul's probably like, just keep reading. Okay, we can rejoice when we run into, wait a second, problem, <laughs> problems and trials. No, like, that, that's when we complain. He's like, no, no, no. We know something that everyone else doesn't know. When the world around just wants to paint bad news, bad news, bad news, he says, we can rejoice because we know something that they don't know. Verse 4, he says, we know that endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This is not just like a, a wishful hope. We, we know, we have a confident hope of salvation that it will turn out for our good. No doubt. Verse 5, he says, this hope will not lead to disappointment. He says, you know, that, that, like, there, there is hope that does, but not this kind. He says, because we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. A hope that never lets you down. Man, Paul, really? <laughs> I would like it if there was a hope that never lets you down. He's like, yeah, but it's not the only time I wrote about it. He says, I wrote to the Corinthians about it as well. And you see it in 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul's like, maybe, you know, I didn't write this just so people could use it at weddings. Uh, and I didn't write this verse, you know, three things last forever. And the greatest of these is love, right? He's like, yeah, it's going to last forever, but there's more to it. There's some strong words in there of faith and hope that will last forever. A hope that never disappoints because it never lets you down because it's not just a wishful thinking. It is a person. This hope has a name. And at Christmas, we celebrate, you know, the good news. We celebrate the good news, but I don't know if we often realize just how good that news truly is for us and for our world. And here's the thoughts this morning that the prophets promised hope. The prophets promised it. You know, Matthew, he was an eyewitness follower of Jesus. So when Matthew writes his stuff, it's because he saw this. He saw this, and he writes about how Jesus was going. He had just come out of the desert, and he's going back to his hometown. He's, these people, his buddies know him, and he's writing, Matthew's writing to the Jewish people and saying, hey, listen, the Messiah was promised. He's actually arrived. Let me try and explain to you how, how you can know that Jesus is the Messiah for yourself. And he says, the prophets promised that hope was coming. And he quotes Isaiah in Matthew 12, verse 17. He says, this fulfilled the prophecy. What you guys are seeing, this, this man on the planet, Jesus, it fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. And he, he just says this. He says, this is what Isaiah wrote. Look at my servant whom I've chosen. He's my beloved who pleases me. I'm going to put my spirit on him and he'll proclaim justice to the nations. He's not going to fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He's not going to crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. When you're in your darkest spots, he's not going to snuff you out. <laughs> it's just the opposite. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. His name will be the hope of all the world. These are words that were spoken 700 years before it happened. 
And you know, when you have to wait 700 years for something, I don't know about you, but I give up after like 700 days. Like, I don't think it's happening. Can you imagine generation after generation saying, hey, it's coming? I know, I know, it, it hasn't happened yet, you know, Obadiah, Jebediah, whatever their names were. He's like, but it's coming. It's coming. Just continue to have hope because it's coming. I can imagine generations thinking, eh, I don't know, but they kept holding on to hope. And then suddenly, suddenly in a little town of Bethlehem, suddenly there appears on the scene hope because the prophets promised it and then a manger presented it to the people. There's hope. I love that Christmas carol, Oh Holy Night. You want to sing with me? Oh, holy night. Okay, hold the rest till Christmas Eve. We'll sing it together then. We don't have time for that this morning. But, but uh, th- th- that song has these lyrics in it that say the thrill of hope. Oh, the weary world actually rejoices because yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. It's that thought that, man, it's not daylight yet, but I, it's coming. There's this thrill, this thrill of hope. And, you know, the, the thrill of hope was, was once again, wasn't because there was another prophet and not that there was another promise. The person had arrived. You know, the, the, the thrill of hope had arrived. And then there's a guy named Luke. Luke writes also a, an account. For those who don't know who Luke is, like, how can we trust this guy? Luke was a historian. He was a guy who was like, I went and talked to all the eyewitnesses. I made sure their stories meshed and, and found out what's the truth, guys. Tell me what happened. What did it look like when you were around Jesus? And he wrote those down so that people like you and me uh, who, could, who could read it later could say, I can trust that this guy did his homework. Well, here's what Luke writes about that little baby in a manger, that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And then he tells us when Jesus comes back to his hometown, he says it like this. He came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home. And as he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures and the scroll of Isaiah, there it is, that prophet from 700 years earlier, that was handed to him. And he unrolls the scroll and he finds the place where it's written and he begins to read. Do you picture that? Jesus probably in a room similar to this less lights and cameras, but he would begin to read to the people. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember these words, they're going to matter in a minute. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news. Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He says the blind will see. The oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favor, it's now. You've hoped for 700 years. Hope has arrived. This is the real deal. It happens now. These things that I've just mentioned, they're going to start happening. And they sure did. They sure did. He began to proclaim this message of hope that what they had longed for was actual reality. And it's been reality from that time till now. And people wondered, you know, how do we know that that's true? It could have been just some guy. How, is he, how can he give hope? How can he reverse the curse? Well, we know that the prophets promised it or the, uh, the manger presented it. And finally, it says the cross paid for it, that he would take the sin of the world on us, that the opposite of all of those things he would take, that he would take the curse so that we could be free. He would take addiction so that we could live in freedom. He would take our fears so that we could live in, this, in that true hope. And he took our death so that we could truly live a life of life. You know, we often look at death as being the end of hope. I know, like this week, praying with people about a loved one in the hospital. Man, praying, God, God, we're praying. We're praying that this person would, would, would live. Do you know, when you hear the news that they have passed away, the hope is gone. You know, and that's, that's the kind of hope 
that these disciples all had too. When they, when they watched Jesus, their best friend, watched him walk down that road carrying that cross, and they're like, man, we hoped he was the Savior. We hoped he's the Messiah. What is going on? He's going to, he's just, I know it. Any second now, he's going to toss that thing off, and he's going to start beating up Romans, and we, we know he's the Messiah. We, we know, right, fellas? We, we know. This is, our, this is our hope. And then they watched as they lifted him up and hung him on a cross and nailed his hands and feet, and, and they watched him die. Fellas, we, we still got hope, right? And John's like, we got no hope. See you later, you know, and everybody leaves. The hope's over. The message's over. It's done. Like he, he's gone. You know, that's where we would be. But Jesus proved to them that this hope is totally different than, the, than any other hope because a few days later, they're sitting on the beach, and who shows up? Wait, wait, it's him. <laughs> okay, no, no, it can't be. They rub their eyes. Like, is it you, Jesus, for real? Can we touch you? Can, can you... Can you eat something so we know you're not a ghost? And he's like, yeah, fellas, it's me. Like, I, I told you, I am hope. Hope that goes beyond the grave. Sin can't hold me there, can't keep me there. I've conquered death, and it is true, 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 true. And it's the reason they wrote everything they wrote. They didn't write their stories like, hey, Jesus is an amazing guy, and then he died. Because that doesn't make him such an amazing guy when he promises he's going to live. Hope was like, oh, <laughs> this is the real deal. This is the real deal. That empty tomb proved it, proved it. You know, an eternal hope that goes beyond the grave, that our hope doesn't end there, that if death can't conquer it, it does truly last forever, a hope that doesn't disappoint. It's what we need today. You know, and Jesus did something pretty sweet because the fact that he, you know, rose from the dead, he didn't just vanish. He did something amazing. He started this thing called the church. Matthew wrote about it because he remembers when Jesus promised he's going to do it. He said this, Matthew 16. He says, I'm going to build my church and all the powers of hell won't conquer it. What a cool thing. We've talked about a lot of times here. He didn't say, I'm going to build my church building. I'm going to build some, like, some monument, or I'm going to build some religion. That word is not what the word we think it is. That word is the word gathering. He's like, I'm going to build my gathering of people, and they will be so powerful in a gathering. The very gates of hell will not stand against it. They'll do stuff on the planet, but they're going to do stuff. (laughs) And it's why I'm so passionate about the gathering. You know, we said last week that church is essential. The gathering is essential. Why do we say that? I don't say that the foolish gathering is essential. That's why we check, you know, at the door to make sure that that it's a safe gathering. Um, It's not the unsafe gathering of of believers, but there's something that happens in the gathering. I don't know if you're aware of that. You know, when I look at the gathering last week and said, hey, as we gathered together and we put out this challenge, there's something about people saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get together and do something together for the good of our community. And you guys donated $9,500, just like that, to help those you don't even know. Why? Because something happens in the gathering. Last night I had somebody just tell us, you know, like, I've been at home, it's been a little whatever, dry, but as I sat here last night and all of a sudden I heard the music, it was like, whoa, something happens in the gathering. Now, the gathering doesn't mean that it always has to be physically together, but, but I think we've been told right now, you know, this idea of isolation. Everybody distance from everybody else. Let's get everybody just in your, own, in your own homes all alone. You know, the truth is we may have to distance, but we don't have to isolate. Isolation has always been the tactic of the enemy, always. Get them apart, get them alone, and then take them out. Every predator does the same thing. When they hunt herds of wildebeest, they get one off the rest. Get one of them alone. That's the, that, that one's dinner tonight. And how many Christians have been dinner tonight simply because of isolation? You know, I heard this cheesy story this week, super cheesy, but I remembered it. Maybe you will as well. This pastor, he had heard there was one guy from his church who wasn't, uh, hadn't been there in a long time. 
And so he uh, decided to go pay him a visit, and he knocks on the door, and the guy looks out the window. He's like, oh, it's the Domine. You know, he's like, it's the pastor. And he's like, I know why he's here. I haven't been to church in a long time. He's like, oh, okay. He lets him in. Hey, pastor. He's like, hey, sit down for a bit. Yeah, yeah, come on in. Let's go sit by the fire. And so the two of them go sit by the fire, and the pastor doesn't say a thing. They sit there watching the fire, and as the fire's crackling, all of a sudden, pop, you know, one of these little embers just pops right out of the fire and lands on the hearth, and the pastor just looks at it. The guy looks at it, and they just sit there silently staring at the ember. They just watch it grow cold, cold enough to touch. Then the pastor reaches down, he picks up the ember, he looks at it, looks at the guy, looks at the ember, sticks it back in the fire, and then they watch it turn red hot again. And he gets up, pastor says, thank you, and leaves. Guess who was in church the very next Sunday? Because he realized he's the ember that, yes, I realize as I'm away from the gathering, man, don't we grow cold? I see it happen so often that when we're away from the gathering, it, it, that tends to be what happens to us. We grow cold. It's not that it's not true. It's we were meant to do this thing together. And I don't mean together being that you have to come into a building. We've never thought that. It's why I love the idea of the house churches. It's why I love the idea of doing online together. But it's not just watching something. It's the idea of participating. Because um, the thing that we need most in a pandemic is not toilet paper. I know that so many believe that, but that is not the truth. Heard a guy months ago share this, and I cannot shake it because it's so, so true. It's this. The thing we need most in a pandemic is this. Regular, intentional, life-giving conversations with others. Regular, intentional, life-giving conversations is what we really need. What we really, really need. Regular, what does that mean? I don't know. Once a week, twice a week, twice a month, whatever it is for you. But regular, it's like I'm going to see the, I'm going to talk to this person enough that, I, that they know me, I know them. Intentional means you're going to ask the important questions. Not like, hey, uh, so uh, how's the weather on your side of the county? Snowing? Here too. Okay, we'll talk in a couple weeks. Hey, you think the Leafs are going to play this year, Scott? I don't. Okay, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Most of the stuff we talk about, if you listen to yourself, talk to people, most of the stuff you talk about means nothing. (laughs) It matters not. But it's having those intentional conversations where somebody actually says to you, hey, how are you really doing? And we tried that this morning saying, asking, man, we don't know how all of our church people are doing. How are you really doing out there? How's, you know, how's your hope level? How, how, How hot are you feeling in your spiritual life right now? Like, is this, thing, is this thing sucking the life out of you? How are you? What, what can I do to help? And life-giving. Why do we say that? Because there are life-sucking conversations out there. I don't know if you've ever had them. You know, you contact that person. i got to be careful with names because I don't mean any of these in case this is your name. But you know negative Nancy. You know, all, every time you talk to her, it's like, oh, can you not for the life of it just see something positive just for once in your life? You know, or, you know, depressing Derek. It's like, oh, okay, Eeyore, you know, I'm going to, it's all right. You know, we'll maybe try again in a week. There are those ones that just suck everything out of you. But there are conversations that just light you up. I don't know. This week I talked to a guy named Peter Mulgard. He lives out, out east. Chat with him on the phone. Ask yourself, how do you feel after talking to certain people? It's like, whoa, I just, I feel happier just having talked to him. Peter McIntosh in the back there. I feel smarter after speaking with him because he is a very smart guy. I learn stuff every Every, don't take that the wrong way. I, 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 uh, every time I talk to him, I learn stuff. I'm like, man, how does he know all this stuff about so much stuff? I'm better because of it. Those conversations that happen, how are those? And then have those conversations. Because here's, here's what they wrote to the Hebrews. 
Oh, I'm just for the record, if you have those conversations with the negative and the downer people, do that as well. Don't make that your regular, but they need hope. That's why we have those conversations. Hebrews 10 says this, let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Let's not lose that hope for ourselves. Let's not lose that. It says, because God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, and let's think of ways to motivate one another. He says, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. He says, get together in in some way, connect with people to encourage them to love and good works. Why does he say that? Because we have this way of encouraging people to do stupid things. You know, just watch Fail Army and you just see, yeah, you know, two guys together like, hey, you think I can jump this little mini bike over 13 cars and three of my friends? Oh, yeah, bud, you got this. Just wait. I'm going to videotape, right? Okay, go. And there, you know, hours and hours and hours of people motivated to do stupid things by their, their friends. You know, we do the same thing. We can do it on Facebook. We can be like bait people into just arguments and whatever else. We can do all kinds of things. Paul, he's saying, listen, when you get together, when you connect with one another, motivate each other to love, to love one another, to do, to do good things, to, to bring hope to one another. You know, because Jesus is not building a religion of people who don't interact with one another. He's building a gathering of believers, a gathering of people who will scare the stinking gates of hell, <laughs> the literal demonic forces that are at work in our world. The darkness around us should be terrified of the church, but they won't be if the church doesn't understand the hope we have. And so closing, you know, it was promised. The manger presented it. The cross paid for it. The empty grave proved it. And the church gets to proclaim it. A message of hope. The message of hope that the same, you know, when we read about Jesus saying the spirit of the Lord is on me. He says the same thing to you. Paul writes to Romans, say, don't you realize that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? You have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has. He's like you, he says, you can go proclaim freedom to the captives. You can proclaim good news to the poor. You've got it in you. It's him if you would just spread that around. You, can, you have hope for the world because you have him. Man, if you're struggling with addiction, there's freedom for you today. You know, if you're in fear, there's freedom for you today. If you feel like you're in bondage, there's, there's freedom and there's hope for you today i leave you with one story. This guy named John Chapman. John Chapman lived from 1774 to 1845. We think maybe he looked like this. You know, everywhere, everywhere he went, John would plant, um, he would plant these tree nurseries with people. He would get a, somebody from that area to plant a bunch of trees with him, and he'd say, okay, here's how you take care of these. And then he would leave and say, I'll be back in a little bit. And he, he went through Pennsylvania, through Ontario, through Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, leaving all these little tree nurseries. And then He'd come back later and check on them. And then John became a Jesus follower. And he began to, to spread the good news every time he came back to one of his little, uh, little tree farms. And he'd talk to the people, and he wanted to know how they were growing. I see you're doing a good job with your trees, but how are you doing? How are you growing? And he would talk to anyone as, uh, that, that would uh, allow him to share that news. Anybody know this man that we're talking about? You may know him as Johnny Appleseed, the guy who was a super spreader of Apple seeds all over, and we have them, you know, we have apple trees in our own province as a result of this guy. He also spread good news wherever he went. You know, we hear all this word about super spreaders right now, you know, super spreaders spreading sickness and disease and whatever else. But my challenge this morning is that we as the church would take that to a whole new level where we'd say we want to be super spreaders of things that matter, that we actually intentionally become super spreaders of hope, that as we walk through the darkness, that we realize, wait, there's a light that shines, that we would 
offer that to others today. And so I just want to say that today, if you don't know the Lord, if you're just kind of walking through life and it feels dark and it feels hopeless, and you're like, is there any purpose? Is there any point? Is there any meaning to this? Can I just tell you today that there's a God who created everything, the God of the universe. He's real and he loves you, loves you, loves you enough to send himself to this planet to to pay a debt that we couldn't pay, to break down the wall that was between us. There's a wall between us. There's this thing called sin. It's we've, we've built and we've just decided to turn our backs this way. But he's like, man, just turn towards me. I've taken it down. I love you, and I just want you to come follow me. I want to give you hope. I want you to have life. I want you to have meaning. I want you to have purpose. I just want to know you, and I want you to know me. Because in that life, man, you'll understand what life was meant to be. Forgiveness, freedom, grace, peace, love, joy, the stuff that you really, really want, and you're trying to find everywhere else, it's in me. You can't earn it. You cannot earn it. You can simply receive it by trusting me is what he offers to each and every person today. He's asking you to follow him, to come join your life to hope, to the person. You know, it's a hope that goes beyond COVID. It's a hope that goes beyond lockdowns, a hope that goes beyond vaccines. It's a hope that goes beyond elections. It's a hope that goes beyond the grave. This week as one of our brothers had to say goodbye to his dad. Some young people in our church had to say goodbye to their grandfather. You know, even in the text, there's that hope, knowing we know he's with Jesus. And we're going to see him again soon. We know he is with Jesus. And we will see him again soon. It hurts right now, but we will see him again soon. Do you have that hope? And Jesus followers, oh, man, if the world has ever been this dark, it hasn't been in a long time. But it is dark. There is a hopeless hopeless existence happening right where you are, always, wherever you find yourself. Can I encourage you to take the the chance? I know it's awkward to speak through the mask, but to offer people hope, true hope, saying, you know, (laughs) letting them know, letting them know that everything around them, all that darkness, there is an answer. There is a light. His name is Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you. Oh, man, I'm thankful for the truth of this today. Thank you for saving me. Thanks for rescuing me from the messed up life that I had created. Thank you for for your joy, for your peace, for the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, thank you most of all for you. The chance to know you. The chance to do life with you. God, I pray for my family today. All my brothers and sisters here at Kingsway. Father, I pray for them right now that as you stir up in their hearts and their lives the words they needed to hear today, would you give them the courage to walk that out? The people that they come in contact with, they could share truth and grace and your love and your hope with. God, I pray for those who are struggling right now, the ones who have just, they're at the end, they've run out of hope. God, would you bring us across their paths that we truly might save lives here and for eternity. And Father, I pray for those who are wondering, is it real, is it true today? God, you just stir something in their heart like only you can do, that they know that, yes, you do love them and you do care about them, and you're calling them to yourself. Would you put your hope, yourself, into their lives today, I pray. God, may we be better because of what happened today, and may your kingdom grow as a result. May you be glorified because you're the one who deserves it. It's in your name I pray. Amen.